0: A Flow Media Production. Beautiful. A True Crime Memoir. Written by Cameron Lundgren. Narrated by Jesse Angeles. A tale of fast romance that escalated quickly into a heated exchange. One man now is left accused of a murder that he didn't commit and robbed of the grieving of his lost love. where's your room? Maybe we should talk. All I could manage was a nod in agreement, suddenly feeling a bit embarrassed. My room wasn't far off, just near the elevators. I managed a brief synopsis of what had happened, only telling her, my girlfriend committed suicide. She was sympathetic and kept rubbing my back, but she got quiet when we approached my room door. Sniffling, I pulled out my room key, and placed it up against the handle, and the lock went green. As I began to open the door, she gently pushed in front of me to enter first. When I closed the door behind me, she turned around to face me. I noticed her face had become ashen and her eyes had grown wide, like she had literally seen a ghost. Cameron, I can't be here, I have to go. She started to move toward the door and I stood there speechless, dried tears staining my cheeks. She placed her hand on the doorknob and then paused, exhaled deeply, and turned to me. Did your girlfriend have dark hair? Tears again swelling in my eyes. Yes. I choked out. She was silent for another moment longer, then finally spoke. Cameron, I've enjoyed my time with you, but I have to leave. I must tell you, I can see spirits. She paused. I see this woman sitting on the bed, and, well, she's crying, and she wants me to tell you she's sorry. She wants you to be happy. She wants you to be her happy Cameron, and she loves you. I gaped at her, then looked towards the empty bed, not entirely sure what was happening, but a small shiver worked its way through my body. She opened the door, then turned to look at me once more. I expect her spirit to be with you for a long time. She's attached to you Cameron, at least until you're well. Take care of yourself, handsome. The door closed behind her. I stayed put, blinking a few times, then nervously moving my head to scan the room. All I wanted to do was see Shayna's face, but there was nothing. Desperately, I called out to the room. Shayna, I need you to show me you're here. I needed to see some small piece of evidence she was with me. Nothing. Out of desperation, I picked up my phone and typed out a new message to Shayna. Cameron, baby, are you here? Nothing. I sat down on the bed and stared at the spot where the woman had looked, where she said she saw Shayna crying. Tears continued rolling down my cheeks, and I closed my eyes and quietly said, It's okay, beautiful. I'll be okay. Though those words did little to comfort me, in fact, they made me weep harder it gives me comfort to know you're still with me and I would give anything in this world to hold you again to feel your touch to kiss your lips to kiss your forehead while you lay on my chest just one more time and tell you everything will be okay and it will Shana it will I love you I grabbed the bottle of fireball i had picked up in the lobby on the way up and chugged as much as I could pass down my throat. I spent the night holding Shayna's crocs, as tight as I could, talking to them as if they were her and reminiscing on all the good times we had. Something about that woman had said felt so real. I knew she was talking to Shayna's spirit, which meant she was still here with me and her crocs. When I would laugh retelling one of our funny adventures, I envisioned her laughing with me. When I would cry, I would envision her crying with me. I fell asleep pretending she was lying on my chest. My plan had been to fly out of Vegas to New Orleans and then maybe New York. I wanted to busy my mind with sightseeing. But after last night, I didn't feel safe with myself. So I packed my stuff into the car and headed back home. The trip had finished before it started. On my drive home, I decided to call my payroll employer. After I hadn't shown up to work for the three weeks I was kept in jail, I hadn't even bothered to tell them I was out. The investigation hadn't seemed to be making any stride in the two weeks since I was released. And virtually the entire state of Utah was gung-ho to believe I was guilty. So I thought, hey, this job isn't going to matter if they throw my ass back in jail. But it had been nearly a month now since my release and still no charges had been pressed. It was probably time to see if I still had a job. As the phone rang, a small knot twisted in my stomach. My manager answered and I blurted out, Tom, listen, I I know you guys must be asking yourself what in the hell happened. And honest God, I would never do something like that. So you know, Tom cut me off. Cameron, you're on a recorded line. Careful what you say. This puts us in a tough position, and you've been our top sales rep for years. I don't know where things stand with the owners, but I'll reach out to you as soon as I know something. A few miles down the road, he called me back on my cell phone. Cameron, you no longer work here. We've recorded it as job abandonment, I'm sorry. I threw my phone on the floor, luckily not damaging it. Fucking great, I sputtered before Shana's death I made more than enough money to enjoy the finer things in life. Now, my businesses had stalled and I had drained most of the money I liquidated on legal fees and an unlucky night in Vegas. My motivation to fight for life was slowly chipping away. I began to slip deeper into a dark hole. As I pulled back into town, I made a conscious decision not to be controlled by fear. I was supposed to be in Vegas for another few days before heading off on another trip and hadn't called my family to tell them my grand get out of town plan had been cut short. No one knew I was coming back home. I had been monitoring Facebook a little while I was in Vegas, not posting, and there were still people posting that they were driving by my home, reporting things like, it didn't seem like anyone was there, and no lights on at night. My plan was to be safe, case the home, and set it up like a fortress. My home was a newer built, a good 4,000 square feet of quietness, when my boys weren't there. I pulled into my garage in the same fashion as before, quick and stealth, taking the same steps to load the clip in my pistol and chamber a bullet. I had talked a big game in my head in the drive over, but now, being back, my heart started to thud against my chest. I slowly opened the garage door to enter the kitchen, only this time the alarm was set and I let the countdown begin until it began blaring. I repeated the process of checking every nook and cranny, gun at the ready to fire if needed. Luckily, the house appeared empty. I gradually lowered my weapon as I finally laid down to rest on my couch, all sliced up from someone's thin razor blade handiwork. I heard the doorbell, and my heart dropped. Had someone been tipped off I was home? I scurried to my front living room window to sneak a glance at the front porch, but the angle wasn't right, and peeping over the small windows at the top of the front door would undoubtedly blow my cover. I could check the security cameras, but I still haven't reactivated them after the police initial search of the house. Whoever was at the door knocked again. They had to know I was home. I slowly opened the front door and peered around making sure my hand was on the gun in my back pocket. To my surprise, I was greeted by a middle-aged woman with fiery red hair and a welcoming smile. "'Hi, Cameron?' she asked, smiling up at me. I hadn't gotten to know any of my neighbors well since moving into the neighborhood, so I couldn't be sure who she was, whether she was one of the Facebook neighbors threatening to alert everyone to my presence. "'Yeah, yes,' I live next door. The sweet smell of baking hit my nose and I looked down to see her holding a plate of homemade banana bread. Cameron, my husband's been through some bad times and we wanted to bring you this treat to let you know that sometimes bad things happen to good people. We're polling for you. She grinned up at me with a sympathetic look in her eye. That confirmed she had been through some sort of struggle too but I didn't press her for details. Instead, my hand came off the gun that was placed in my holster, hidden halfway behind the door. Tears started welling up again, but I pushed them down. Wow, I'm a little shocked, I managed to say. After these weeks, I I just, I, I thought it was me against the world. She outstretched her arm and offered me the banana bread. Cameron, you need to know that there's a small, silent army out there rooting for you. Those people see through the lines and aren't fooled by what the media is saying. We can see there's more to this story. Please keep your head up. And if you need anything, please let us know. I was about to start bawling, but I maintained my composure enough to take the bread from her hands. You have no idea how much this means to me. I choked out. And thank you so much. I love banana bread. I'll eat every last piece. She gave me a final smile and turned to amble down the walkway. As I started to close the door to be alone with my tears and my homemade dessert, she spun around as if she had forgotten something. Oh, one more thing. Please be safe. My husband is former military, so we've been keeping a close eye on your home in case there's more. She bit her lip in search of a word. Immature crowd threatening to hurt you actually turns dangerous. I can assure you I'm armed. And if anyone comes to my home, they wish they hadn't. Good. Take care of yourself. She added before turning on her heel once more, the door closing behind her. As I stepped into the kitchen to place banana bread on the counter, a glimmer of hope filled my heart, and it felt like, for the first time, my head was above water. My world had been filled with so much hatred and hostility, and this neighbor brought a moment of peace, a small moment, for me to feel that the entire world didn't want to kill me, and that there were people, strangers, who felt the coverage of Shayna's death and my alleged involvement was suspicious. It gave me time to pause and exhale. Even a momentarily, my will to fight had dwindled, but if my neighbor was right and others believed I was innocent, maybe this nightmare had a happy ending. After all, it wasn't just this small silent army on my side. The police had let me walk free with no charges. There was a chance I could clear my name. Nevertheless, with no new updates from Glenn and a larger, louder army of social media soldiers threatening to hurt me, I knew I couldn't let my guard down and be stupid after a little, vulnerable display of hope. So, I moved on to building my home fortress. I grabbed the ladder in my garage and removed my wireless cameras from the exterior of the house. Later that day, another neighbor who had been threatening to keep tabs on me via Facebook posted that she saw me pulling down the security cameras in an attempt to destroy evidence, despite the fact it had been a month since the police had seized any available evidence from my house, including security camera footage. I couldn't help but chuckle at the blatant stupidity of some people. I opened my kitchen drawer and took out my silverware, scattering it across the tile floor at all the entrances to my home. At least, if an intruder came in the night, at the very least, I'd hear them. At the very most, they might break their neck. As I set up my booby traps, I started laughing, feeling like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Laughing felt good, today felt good, and I was beginning to feel like my old self again. Nightfall was coming fast, and I needed to hurry before it became too dark outside that my interior lights would welcome a visitor. After I was done with the main floor, I went to the basement with a piece of cardboard to seal the window that had been broken by the previous couch ruiner, murderer spray painting intruders. Then I retreated back up the stairs and grabbed one of my wireless cameras, opening the affiliated app on my phone to check the settings. I was surprised to see it not only monitored motion, but sound. I set up a stool halfway up the stairs and placed the camera on top, positioning the lens towards the bottom of the stairs. To test it, I stood behind the camera and spat, punks, in my regular voice. The siren blared so loud, I worried the neighbor would hear it. And I laughed while simultaneously letting out a scared, fuck. I continued to the main floor, six feet back from the front door, I had set up another stool and placed the camera so it would capture both the front door and around the corner to the hallway, leading to the kitchen and the garage door. It was a perfect spot. Unless these assholes had a tall ladder to get onto the second story, they weren't going to get in. At least not anywhere on the first floor without getting caught by the cameras. The last thing I did was to make sure all lights were off and the doors were locked. The next step was going to be the hardest. I would have to go upstairs, back to where it all happened. I guardedly plodded up the split-level stairs and stopped midway landing to carefully place my last camera on the top step, facing forward down the stairs. I had been in good spirits all day, finally feeling comfortable and safe in my own home. I felt like playing music. So I opened my phone and turned on Pandora. Ever since the hotel, I felt like Shayna's spirit was following me and I knew she'd like to listen along with me. The default station that popped up was Kygo, one of Shayna's favorites. I hit play. The first song that came on was Carry Me and my body instantly sank into the floor. It was one of the first songs I had held her to as we watched the VR music video on our third night together. The memories flooding into my stream of consciousness became unbearable, and breathing became far too difficult. I turned off the music. As I finished to the top of the stairs, where I was no longer safe from painful memories, I saw, in the dim glint of the last daylight, blood at the top of the landing floor where I last saw her. Her blood had soaked and hardened into the carpet. My limbs went numb and my body dropped to the carpet. Breathless, crawling over the stain, I laid there, weeping, whispering, Shayna, why? Shayna, why? Over and over. After an hour, my tear ducts became numb, like the rest of my body. Still lying on the bloodstained carpet, I picked up my phone and flipped to the video of me proposing to her, and then her snowboarding for the first time. And then as ice skating at Peaks Ice Arena, I slowly scrolled through every beautiful image of her face, taking in every shape and curve and color. For a moment, I felt her next to me. Then suddenly, I felt this warm sensation on my forehead. It reminded me of every night when we would cuddle in bed just before falling asleep. I'd whisper, I love your brains, before kissing her on a forehead. She always told me she'd love my forehead kisses because they made it easier for her to fall asleep. As I lay on the floor, feeling the sensation of warmth on my head, I couldn't help but whisper, Baby, I love your brains. I can't believe you did what you did, but I hope you're in a better place. I miss you. I fell asleep with my pistol to my side. Fire engines roared down the street. When I looked down, I mounted on top of Shayna, In a spot where she lay after she shot herself. I began to panic, but I don't see any blood. I look up and find her awake, smiling at me, even though the sirens grow louder still. Her mouth is moving, but I can barely hear her over the screeching wails. I lean in close to her mouth, fearful I'm going to miss something important, fearful that she'll be gone at any second, and I hear her softly say, everything will be okay. You're loved by so many. Just be you. I can feel her lips moving under my ear, but her words grow quieter underneath the sirens. Mounting blares. I start screaming. Baby, I need you! Please don't leave me! Baby, come back! She disappears. My eyelids rip open, and I'm lying in the same spot I fell asleep, only this time my camera alarms were screaming through the house. I frantically pad my pants and the surrounding floor for my pistol in the dark of the night. My hands finally wrapped around the stock and I leaped up, every sense fully awake. It was pitch black. I quickly grabbed my phone out of my pocket, 5.30 in the morning. Turning on the flashlight, I kept it pointed close to the ground just to give myself enough light to see through the dark without alerting any intruders of my location. I knew I had the advantage if someone was here. Backing into the master bedroom, facing the stairway, my back caught the side of the door frame as I passed into my bedroom and closed the door behind me. I crouched behind my bed in a daze from alarms, trying to unlock my phone to finally open the camera app to watch the live video. I hit play and watched the white silhouette pass the camera located on the second story stairs before the video ended. Opening the next video, from the front door camera, the same silhouette passes through the hallway, then turns into the kitchen. What the hell am I seeing? I replayed the video a few times and looked up at the top screen of my phone. And the time suddenly sank in. 5.30. There's no way. Could it be Shayna Waking up for her morning shift as she did every week over the last seven years and leaving for work? meeting me in the kitchen for her iced coffee before exiting the kitchen door that led into the garage and getting into her car, the one I woke up early to warm up for her. Was I losing my mind? Is there an actual person here who should be calling the police on? I continued to replay the videos until sunrise came. When I finally had the gall to search the house, as I checked each room and shadowy corner, pistol in hand, I saw that nothing have been disturbed. Thank you again for joining us here on the podcast. Just a reminder, this podcast comes out every Monday and Wednesday, so go ahead and mark that on your calendar. Also, you can get this book on Amazon, so go ahead and click on the link below, and you could either read along with us, or you can skip ahead, find out what happens to Cam. Again, thanks so much for being here today. This is a Flow Media production.